Well, good morning. morning. Welcome to Zion Lutheran Church on this 19th Sunday after Pentecost. As always, wonderful to worship with you and to see all of you again. Uh, A few things before we begin our service. So, as you remember, our communion procedures will return back pre-COVID, I guess. Um, And we will receive communion here at the rail. Uh, As we do that, do your best just to space yourselves comfortably if you're kneeling. Uh, If you're not kneeling, standing to receive. Um... Also, we will add in the sharing of the peace again this Sunday. Uh, So during the peace, feel free as you're comfortable to share signs of peace with one another. Uh, A few announcements this morning. First, please check your mailbox this morning uh, for newsletters, quarterly statements should be in there. Also a reminder that Harvest Home is in two Sundays, October 17th, so plan to be here, plan to bring folks in as you're able to worship with us and to give God thanks for for all that he's done. Uh, This morning I also want to share with you that I received the news that our sister in Christ, Becky Plogger, passed away in the early hours this morning. Uh, So keep her family, keep all of those who are grieving her loss in your prayers this morning. Are there other announcements or other things to share? Other announcements, other things to share? Yeah. Okay. It was Carol Carmen Cofer. Right. Well, if there's nothing else to share, I'll invite you to take a moment to prepare for worship by listening to the prelude.
congregation, I invite you to stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you. And for his sake, God forgives you all your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. Amen.
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Sovereign God, you have created us to live in loving community with one another. Form us for life that is faithful and steadfast, and teach us to trust like little children that we may reflect the image of your Son, Jesus Christ our Savior and Lord. Amen. The first reading is from Genesis. The Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. So out of the ground the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air 
and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the air and to every animal of the field. But for the man, there was not found a helper as his partner. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman. For out of man, this one was taken. Therefore, a man leaves his father and his mother and clings to his wife and they become one flesh. The word of the Lord. The psalm today is Psalm 8, which we will read responsibly. O Lord our God, how majestic is your name in all the earth. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you have set in their courses. Yet you have made them little less than divine. With glory and honor you crown them. All flocks and cattle, even the wild beasts of the field. O Lord our God, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The second reading is from Hebrews. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by a son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he has also created the worlds. He is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. And he sustains all things by his powerful word. When he had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Now God did not subject the coming world about which we are speaking to angels, but somehow has testified somewhere, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, or mortals that you care for them? You have made them for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned them with glory and honor, subjecting all things under their feet. Now in subjecting all things to them, God left nothing outside their control. As it is, we do not yet see everything in subjection to them, but we do see Jesus, who for a little while was made lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. It was fitting that God, for whom and through whom all things exist in bringing many children to glory, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For the one who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one Father. For this reason, Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, saying, I will, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. The word of the Lord.
The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. Some Pharisees came, and to test Jesus they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of dismissal and to divorce her. But Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote this commandment for you. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Then, in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. He said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. And people were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them. And the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. The Gospel of our Lord. I invite you to be seated. And children, I invite you to come forward. All right, so I have a question for you. What is a slogan? Do you know that word slogan? Have you ever heard it? No? No ideas? If I were at an Ohio State football game, what's something I might yell? Right, if I yell OH, someone behind me is going to yell. Ohio. Right, that's a slogan. Right, I might yell out Go Bucks. Right, do you know any slogans from commercials? I know my children do because I hear them all the time. Yeah, Silas, what's a slogan from a commercial? Like a good neighbor, State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there, right? Yeah, that's a good commercial slogan. Others? All right, fine. I won't put you on the spot. Okay, but a slogan is is a little catchy phrase, right? Something we say uh, that helps us get a point across. It's just short and simple and memorable a slogan. All right, so believe it or not, Lutherans have lots of slogans. Uh, but today, the slogan I want you to keep in mind, Lutherans like to say, remember your baptism. And that comes from Martin Luther himself, whose picture is way up there, of course, while we're called Lutherans. All right, but Luther often preached on that slogan, and he taught on that slogan, remember your baptisms. Right now we remember our baptisms because it's when we were baptized that God lays claim to us. Right? God says, you are my child now and forever. Right? I will never forget you. I will never leave you. I will be with you forever. You become God's. Your identity becomes God's. Right? And so Lutherans like to say, no matter what's going on in your life, 
right, the good moments, the bad moments, the moments where you feel great about everything, but also the moments where you don't feel so great. Right, that there's a slogan you can go back to to remember some good news, and that is remember your baptisms. Remember your baptisms. Remember that no matter what happens in this life, in this world, that God claims you. You are a child of God. Okay, so you might notice something a little different about this font this morning. Do you notice anything different? The top is off. Yeah, exactly, right? The top is off so that we are able to see this bowl here. And then inside, maybe you can't see it when you walk by, but from up there you can see that there's water in there, right? All right, we're going to start this practice here at Zion precisely because of that slogan, remember your baptisms. Right, so when you come up and you walk by this open font, when you see this water, you remember that God has claimed you. And no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what else is going on, right, you can remember this one truth, that you are God's forever. Right, that's what God promised to you when you were baptized. Okay, so also, some people, when they walk by, to help them remember their baptisms, they might do some other things. Right, so they might to stick their finger in the water. And that's all, right? Just remember, the water reminds you of God's promises to you. Other people will stick their thumb in there and they'll make the sign of the cross on their forehead, right? Because this is what happened to all of you when you were baptized. You were, this water was poured on you and the pastor marked you with a cross, right? And you were marked with a cross as a reminder that forever, you belong to Jesus. And other people might dip their finger in there and with their flat hand make a sign of the cross over their whole body. Right? And just touching the top, the bottom, the left, the right, and the middle of the cross. And again, it's a reminder. Just a reminder of who you are and who you belong to. Right? Remember your baptism. Remember that God promises never to leave you. Alright, so as you come up, I'm going to invite you, stick a finger in here, stick your thumb in here, and see if you can make a cross on your forehead, right, as a reminder who you are, right? Or if you don't want to do that, just stick your finger in the water, right, and remember that you are God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, our reading from Genesis this morning begins with a well-known verse, and it's a verse that I think speaks something very true about what it means to be human. This verse says, It is not good for man to be alone. Man needs to live in community. A solitary existence is not good. God has intended for man to have fellowship. Even the Greek philosopher Aristotle says that man is a political animal. That is, man is meant to live in a polis, a city, a town, a community. Man is meant to work together with one another for the good of each other. We're designed not to be lonely creatures, but we're designed to have community. 
Right? So in Genesis chapter 2, what we see is that God wants man to have a helper as a partner. And the word helper in Genesis 2 is important. You might remember the old King James word, help me, a helpmate. Right? It's more than a companion, but a helper. And we don't want to hear that word helper as someone subservient to man. A helper implies something else. A helper implies someone who has skills and strengths and abilities to provide help. This is not only to share in the man's responsibilities in the garden here in Genesis 2, but the helper is to come to the man's rescue, to help him obey the law that he is to follow, to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This partner that God is going to create is not meant to be less than the man. No, the partner is to walk with the man in paradise and to enjoy with him all that's there, to enjoy living in the full presence of God. And so we see in Genesis 2 that the first attempt to find a helper for the man, God brings animals to him. And he lets the man sort the animals out and name them. And among the animals, there's no suitable helper. Right? I'm quite sure that there were useful animals, there were entertaining animals, there were beautiful animals, but among them, there was no helper. And why is that? Well, the man who was able to name and sort them was dominant over them. Right? These animals were not his equals. They were not his spiritual and intellectual equals. They were less than him. And so there were no animals that were going to reason with the man no animal that's going to share the joy of living in God's presence with him. There's no animal that's going to help him keep God's law. So God creates out of man another human to be the helper as a partner. This one he forms not out of the dust like he formed Adam, but right out of the man's rib. And again, this isn't about subservience. This new human, the female, it's not less than a man because she was taken out of his rib, but rather she shares with him. She shares life with him. She is his very own flesh. She is a partner. Now she is the one capable of sharing with the man the full experiences of life. In the Hebrew Bible, the statement of my flesh, from my flesh, is a statement of loyalty. It's about permanent relationship. The woman God has crafted to be man's helper it's not just a transient servant. She's not there just to get the chores done for the man. No, this is an equal who's going to live in community with the man. And she is God's assurance to the man that it's not good to be alone. The relationship men and women share, the union of their lives through marriage and companionship, it's meant to be a sign of God's fatherly care to all of us. God saw that it was not good for the man to be alone. And he shaped the creation of humanity to be good for humanity. A husband, then, is called not to see his wife as anything less than a gracious gift. The wife is the gracious gift of God's loving care in humanity. And so as we turn to our gospel this morning, we see that Jesus comes down with a hard line against divorce when the Pharisees ask him about it. And we should probably keep in mind a few cultural differences as we read this text. First, in the ancient world, 
Couples did not court or date and then get married because they were in love. Right? Romance is not what drove marriage. In fact, such an idea is pretty modern, but such an idea in the ancient world would have been seen as foolish. It would have been immature. And that's not to say there wasn't love and romance and marriages in the ancient world, but it's not why a man and woman got married. Marriage was more about the relationship between families and society. Parents worked together to agree to the relationship and to make sure that there was going to be as much financial stability and benefit as possible for all parties. Remember, in this world, women could not own property. They did not have their own bank accounts. Their security was entirely dependent on the men in their lives. Fathers then arranged marriages for their daughters to make sure that they would be safe and as prosperous as possible. So normally then in this society, a woman could not ask for divorce. Usually only a man could initiate it. The wife then had no claim over any of the man's property. She had no claim over the children. And so women in this society were vulnerable. If a man divorced her, she had little means to take care of herself. She was left to fend for herself in a world where she could own no property, and she was not likely to be remarried to any man with any kind of character. And so we might begin to see, why does Jesus take such a hard line against divorce? Well, God had made women to be the true helper, the true companion of man. Eve was formed from Adam's rib. She was equal to him. And together they were to live life. Together they were to enjoy the presence of God. And now we see in the Gospels the Pharisees, as they try to test Jesus, they were treating both women and the natural goodness of marriage as something less than this. They went to the law of Moses and they found loopholes around marriage in order that they could benefit themselves. And the consequences of this for women was universally negative. Right, what God had designed as a gift for humanity had the Pharisees turned into something to manipulate for their own gains, their own passions. Right? They were getting divorced so that they could take another wife and in taking another wife, receive another dowry, make more social connections, gain in their social status. Right? They were manipulating the law. So Jesus' criticism of the Pharisees is just that, that they're using a loophole in the law for their own gain rather than recognizing God's good intentions for creation. God has given us marriage. He has given us community. He has given us the many relationships in this world for our good. They are a gift. The life we live with others is a gift. And we want to receive these relationships as a gift from God. We want to preserve them and cherish them whenever and wherever we can. But it's also true that just about everyone here this morning has likely been touched with the pain and brokenness of divorce. In this world in which no relationship is ever perfect, there are times when the ideal gift of marriage is not sustainable, and couples find it necessary to separate. And we know from the Gospels, unequivocally, that Christ offers forgiveness, healing, reconciliation for those who find themselves touched by this pain. But it's precisely that pain 
that comes when relationships are severed, when marriages are broken, that speak to us about the very goodness of the thing. If you break a bone, it'll hurt. If you cut your skin, it'll hurt. And that pain, that hurt, that's a signal that something's not as it should be. And so there is pain in broken marriages. There's pain in severed relationships. And that pain tells us something's not right. Something is wrong. We're not in the state of health that God has designed for us. But there's healing and there's forgiveness through Christ for that pain. When we go back to Genesis 2.18, we remember what it says. It's not good for man to be alone. Well, this is the very beginning of the gospel, the very beginning of the new good news that God has for us. Way back there in Genesis 2, we begin to see that God has a plan for fallen humanity. Because God himself has not left us alone. God has sent his son to us to take on our flesh in order that he might be fully united with us. If the son of God has taken on flesh, it means that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. There's no pain, no, bra- no brokenness, no sin, not even death can keep us from the love of God. Indeed, it's good for us not to be alone. So God promises us that he will always walk with us. In the mercy of God, you are not alone. You share communion with him. You are brought into the life of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and you have identity in this community. As we read this hard gospel lesson this morning, we remember that marriage is good. Marriage is a sign of God's love for us. We ought to celebrate it. And we ought to encourage those who are married to persevere whenever it's possible. But in the same breath, we also remember that marriage does not complete who we are. Marriage is not our full identity, and marriage is not our eternal future. Rather, God is. Our communion with God is our eternal future. And so if you are married, if you're not married, if you've never been married, if you're divorced, no matter what your status is, your first identity is in God. We have been united to him through Christ as one people in one community. It is not good for us to be alone. And the good news is this, that God will not leave us alone. Amen.
together, let us stand and confess our faith using the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Lord God, help us by your Spirit to receive your kingdom and humble repentance like little children, that we may enter in the joy of your forgiveness in Christ. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, that we may pay closer attention to your word, lest we drift away from it and neglect the great salvation it reveals to us in Christ. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, in a reflection of your eternal love for us, you join man and woman together, so that they are no longer two but one. Bless the engaged, the newly married, and those who have shared many years together with even more of your love, that they may live together in it with joy their whole lives long. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, help all parents who have brought their children to Christ in the waters of holy baptism, also bring them faithfully in worship, that he may continue to take them in his arms and bless them through his word. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, help us when we do not see everything in this world in subjection to Jesus. Give us eyes of faith to see him crowned with glory and at honor at your right hand. And so believe that nothing is outside of your control. Give wisdom to those who work for the good of all, especially Joseph, our president, and Richard Michael, our governor. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, comfort Kara and Nancy, Maddox, Tom, Troy, Donald, Donna, Ray, Nancy, Dwight, John, Marilyn, Rose, Tony and Carolyn, and Carolyn, and those who are grieving now the passing of Rebecca and Carol. You made the found, founder of their salvation perfect through suffering, that in all their trials they might be put, that they might put their trust in you. Lord, in your mercy. 
Lord God, deepen all who eat and drink Christ's body and blood in the truth that he has made them bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh, that they may not doubt but believe that he will hold them forever and ever. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you always. I invite you to take a moment to share signs of God's peace with one another. We will now continue our worship with the giving of our offering. Holy God, gracious and merciful, you bring forth food from the earth and nourish your whole creation. Turn our hearts toward those who hunger in any way, that all may know your care, and prepare us now to feast on the bread of life, Jesus Christ our Savior and Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty, and our joy that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, Almighty and merciful Father, through our Savior Jesus Christ, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the host of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. 
Holy, mighty, and merciful Lord, heaven and earth are full of your glory. In great love you sent to us Jesus, your Son, who reached out to heal the sick and the suffering, who preached good news to the poor, and who on the cross opened his arms to all. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, he gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Remembering, therefore, his death, resurrection, and ascension, we await his coming in glory. Pour out upon us the spirit of your love, O Lord, and unite the wills of all who share the heavenly food, the body and blood of Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be all honor and glory, now and forever. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Thanks be to God.
congregation, I invite you to stand. Let us pray. We give you thanks, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through the healing power of this gift of life. In your mercy, strengthen us through this gift in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another for the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. serve the Lord.